0: Come to this place ready to worship God and open to hearing a message from God.
1: We desire to listen for God's voice and do so with all our hearts.
0: The prophet Isaiah tells of God doing new things in the lives of God's people.
1: We pray that your God will continue to give new life to us and do new things in us.
0: Like Mary of Bethany, we desire to love God in extravagant ways, pouring out our devotion as a fragrance. Too often our devotion to God gets watered down, distracted, and sidetracked, so we seek renewal at this time. On this fifth Sunday in Lent, we pause for a moment of silent confession. sisters and brothers, God gives us grace and strength to live in love each day. Let us receive God's love with open arms. God has forgiven us.
1: We lift our voices in gratitude to God.
2: Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. So delighted to be worshiping with you this morning. If you are a guest with us, we welcome you, first of all, and second, we invite you to fill out the information tear off that's on the edge of your order of worship and place that in the offering plate during the offertory per- portion of the service. Also, for anyone who has a prayer request, that you would like the staff of Northside Drive to pray for, we gather for staff meeting on Tuesday and share prayer concerns with uh, the deacon body. Write that on the same sheet of paper and you can put that in the offering plate as well. Well, as we approach Lent, uh, the the Holy Week of Lent rather, uh, the text will help us get there. The text you'll hear this morning, the scriptures speak of God both doing something new And preparation for death, the gospel passage that I'll be preaching from, is about Mary of Bethany and the pouring out of the fragrance on Jesus, the preparation for burial, and yet also the promise of hope and newness. So may we prepare our hearts this morning. James and Liz aren't with us this morning. They're in New Orleans. Uh, They celebrated uh, the wedding, and James officiated at the wedding of his nephew in New Orleans This weekend and they'll be returning this evening. So we pray for a safe return for the Lampkin family Also in the service you'll hear from our very own Dr. Steve Sheely who will be uh, playing on the hammered steel dulcimer You may be wondering if you haven't seen that before what that is and he'll be playing for us And today is communion Sunday. All are invited to God's table. Let's continue our worship
0: God promises to bring God's fresh vitality to exiles who are far away from home. A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, beginning with verse 16. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior, They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Thus says the Lord, do not remember the former things, or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. Here ends the first lesson. Please pray with me. Holy One, you bring us safely through the mighty waters. During the season of Lent, perhaps a time of desert wandering, we examine ourselves and our lives, looking to remedy where we find ourselves on the side of oppressors and focusing our energies on becoming increasingly people of life and hope. Give us hearts of empathy for those who are grieving, for those in need of healing of body, mind, or relationship, for those facing uncertainties, medical treatments, or who are in the midst of transitions. We celebrate with those who rejoice, marking birthdays, weddings and wedding anniversaries, retirement. We celebrate with those who have received good news or who entertain new opportunities, who are experiencing that new thing, who perceive what you are doing in their lives. Hear our prayers, for those in need, for those who find themselves literally in floodwaters, the people of eastern Nebraska and western Iowa and across Missouri, people in parts of Iraq and in southern Africa, whose homes have been destroyed by recent storms. Hear our prayers for people who are fleeing violence, poverty, or persecution, that they may find a safe refuge. Create in us clean hearts, new hearts, O God, hearts full of compassion and love. Help us be the answer to someone else's prayers. Give us strength for today, and bright hope for tomorrow. For it is through Christ that we pray. Amen.
3: Paul encourages the Philippians to keep pressing on in order to reach the goal. A reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus.
4: To come forward a little bit early so we can watch Dr. Steve Sheely play his hammered dulcimer. So y'all come forward to the carpet, okay? Tell us a little bit about his instrument before he shares his gift of music with us in our worship service. So everybody comes in on the carpet so you can see. Okay, everybody see? Hi, good morning. Oh, and if you have an offering, Pastor Daniel has an offering plate. Okay, y'all drop that in. Thank you, thank you. Okay. And Mr. Steve wanted me to show you guys these. These are his um, hammers. We call these hammers. So, so this is a hammer and you All right, y'all look. And it has
2: strings. When Mr. Kirk plays, what does he do to his strings? Play. Um, how does he play it? Oh, he plays guitar. He has a guitar, that's right. So how does he play his strings and make music? If, if he doesn't do something to his strings, his guitar doesn't make any sound, does it?
4: Well, he do with his hands.
2: It, he strums it and, it and it sings, doesn't it? So this is a hammered dulcimer
3: and it has strings. So should I hit it with this?
1: Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> you don't think so?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. That, what Miss Andrea has are are some hammers. I've got
2: a, the pair of hammers. I'm going to. Morning.
3: Y'all can pass those around very,
4: very gently. Very gently. You can pass them and let everybody touch them. Pass it around.
1: And somewhere we lost this one. We knew
4: pass it we were going to lose Okay. Thank you. You guys ready? All right, let's be good listeners. full of some things for you to see. Can you see them? I'm going to pass the basket around, and I want you to take one. Okay? Here, you guys pass it between. If you sit, you can have one. The basket will come to you. Okay, so in this basket... Can I have one too? Thank you. Yes. So what are these? Rocks or stones and you know i brought these today because this week in our in our devotional that we're looking at at home there's a story in here about these rocks sort of put your finger on your nose if someone has ever tattled on you now put your thumb up in front of your chest if you if they tattled on you cuz you did something wrong You did something wrong. Well, Yvonne, all of us have kind of done something wrong, right? Have you ever gotten told on? Well, in our story today about this lady, guess what? Somebody was telling on her to Jesus. And they said that she did something wrong. And you know what? The people telling on her, they wanted her to get in big trouble. Has someone ever told on you and you've gotten in big trouble? Yeah, Yeah, and sometimes maybe you did something wrong, but sometimes maybe you didn't. And you know, the important thing is, everybody hold up your stones. These people wanted to get her in big trouble. Look at your stones, say big trouble. Yeah, Yeah, and they, they kind of wanted to hurt her with these stones. And they said, she's done something wrong. And she's supposed to get in big trouble. And you know what? Jesus looked at their stones and he said to them, he said, well, have any of you done anything wrong? Look at your stones. (laughs) Look at, look at Miss Andrea. Jesus said, have y'all done anything wrong? And do you know what those people telling on that lady did? They left their stones, and they walked away. And then the lady looked around, and Jesus said, Where did they all go? Weren't they getting you in trouble? And she said, Well, they're all gone. I guess not. And Jesus, he said, Oh. Oh. Well, then I'm not going to get you in trouble either. And he said, I forgive you. And he said, go and sin no more. So he said, go and try not to get in trouble anymore. So Jesus, instead of getting mad at her and tattling on her and going with those people, he forgave her of her sins. And he said, Go and sin no more. So look at your stones. Hold it. Touch it. And this week when you go home, I want you to think about when you do something wrong, who forgives you? And so this week when somebody you know does something wrong to you or to someone else, let's try and forgive them like Jesus forgives us. Okay? Let's say a little prayer. Dear God, thank you for your forgiveness and for your son who always loves us. Help us to forgive and love like Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Everybody take your stone with you. Yeah, you can take it.
0: friend of Jesus anoints his feet as an extravagant offering. A reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those at the table with Jesus. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord.
2: it's been an interesting morning so far. We passed out stones to the children and Steve Sheely threatened to destroy his musical instrument with a hammer. That could have gone another way. Thank you, Steve. That was delightful. I want to speak to you this morning about extravagant love, wildly extravagant love. You heard that gospel text. It speaks of the final week of Jesus' life. During that final week he was invited to dinner. He was invited to the home of Lazarus, brother to Mary and to Martha. And that family lived in Bethany, which was about a mile and a half away from Jerusalem. Jesus would be executed in five short days, according to the Gospel of John. And there they were at the dinner table. It was Jesus, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and Judas. Maybe the other disciples were there, but they don't get a speaking line. Jesus, in fact, had just raised Lazarus from the dead. That must have been an unusual dinner, because here was a man who just days before had been dead, I mean graveyard dead. And and when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, it wasn't like they show in the movies when The ER physician calls a code and they begin CPR. I mean, it wasn't close like that. Lazarus had been dead four days before Jesus showed up. They didn't have the funeral technology that we have with embalming fluids and makeup artistry. All they had really was what they could find in nature, perfumes and spices and herbal fragrances, the roots of a plant known as spikenard, for example. You can find it in the Himalayan mountains in India. Very, very precious stuff. I mean, all the way from India, it said that right on the bottle. One pound. Once the import tax was assessed and the dock workers were paid off and FedEx got their cut, it was very expensive. And so you would dry these roots, and the roots of the plant gave off a a powerful fragrance. Its purpose was to cover the smell of death. And so a body could be anointed with that fragrance. But there, Lazarus had been laid in that Judean cave for four days. And Sister Martha had even complained to Jesus that there was a stench of death in the air. And apparently it hadn't occurred to anyone to use the nard on Lazarus. I mean, they had an entire pound. Couldn't they they have used an ounce? Maybe they thought that anointing Lazarus with that nard was the same as giving up on him. He's not coming back. That's what that would communicate. It's over. That's what the fragrance would say. And I think they had given up hope by the time Jesus arrived. Sister Mary had said to Jesus in her only line in the whole gospel, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But none of that stood in the way of Jesus, not the passage of time, not the irreversibility of death. None of that stopped Jesus from raising Lazarus from the dead. And so having been transformed by death and resurrection, Mary wasn't going to waste any of her remaining time with Jesus. It was precious time that she had left. She wasn't going to worry about decorum or appearances or customs. She was devoted to Jesus. She was going to show it. She just wanted to be alone, even for a moment. She took that one-pound bottle of nard. She broke the seal She poured out the fragrance in this great gush. I mean, it was more than was needed. You could have anointed everybody in Bethany. It was excessive. It was downright extravagant. It was wild. And and can you imagine that aroma? It was so powerful. John tells us that the house was filled with the fragrance. Mary is so overcome with devotion to Jesus that she takes her hair and wipes her feet with the fragrance. Now that itself is a breach of decorum that was quite profound because I believe all the boundaries had been broken down. It is a holy moment we're witnessing. It speaks of the intimacy of the human soul bared before God. It foreshadows the the foot washing that Jesus and the disciples will do and if only she could be alone with Jesus, uninterrupted. But there is an interruption, isn't there? There's always an interruption. Have you noticed that? Cell phone goes off during the symphony. Or you're staring out at the most beautiful mountain range you've ever seen, and all you can think about is what's for lunch. Judas. Judas is the interrupter. John is sure to tell us how to think and how to feel about that. He tells us that Judas is the bad guy here. It is Judas who interrupts. And and we should be able to recognize that voice that you hear because it is our voice. It is a deeply human voice with a deeply human complaint. Why? he asks, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Now, that bottle was a man's full wages for a whole year. Do you know how many meals could be prepared for the hungry with that kind of money? There's a certain kind of cold logic to Judas's question, isn't there? It is the logic of the pragmatist, of the utilitarian, of bureaucratic efficiency. And, of course, John makes sure to let us in on the secret that Judas really didn't care about the poor that he'd been stealing money from the collective purse the whole time, skimming off the top, embezzling. But set that aside for a moment. You can kind of see his point, can't you? I mean, have you ever had the feeling when you're visiting some wonder of the world that it is just such a colossally wasteful display of extravagance? Have you ever seen King Louis XIV's palace in Versailles? It's only got 700 rooms. I mean that's barely enough room for company. And, and when you walk up to Versailles there's the shiny ornate gate surrounding the front entrance, bright gold, shimmering in the sunlight. And the tour guide will say, that's real gold. You know, if Judas went on a tour of Versailles, you know what he'd ask? Well, what could be done for the homeless if this if this was sold by the state for private development? You should be ashamed of yourself. Or think about something less tangible, the, the many ephemeral moments in your life. Music, for example. I, I remember as a teenager hearing the Brandenburg Concerto for the very first time, marveling in the wonder of Bach. And it didn't last long. It was over before I knew it. What an extravagance wonder what could have been done for the, the people of Nashville if they had taken that marvelous symphony hall and sold it, taken all the hundreds of thousands of dollars they'd poured into musical instruments and, and sold them. Just think about that. Or think about this beautiful sanctuary in the heart of Buckhead with its stained-glass windows, its neoclassical octagonal sanctuary, the delightful pyramids and candle holders, the organ with its grandeur and its height and complexity. Do you know how much real estate commands in Buckhead? I suppose we need the pragmatist's voice. That voice may help us stay aligned with God's mission to the poor. It may help us do more with less. But the pragmatist can get caught up in self-righteousness. It can get hooked on guilting others into their way or the highway, and the pragmatist may forget how to enjoy life. They're very good at telling others that they haven't lived up to their ideals. Just leave her alone, Judas said, or Jesus said rather to Judas. Leave her alone. Mary, in her wild extravagance, didn't care what others thought about her pouring out a year's wages on the body of her Lord and Savior. After all, Jesus had raised her brother from the dead. When it was too late, when there was a stench in the air, when hope had fled, Jesus still showed up, and so she didn't care what Judas thought. She acted as if she were the only person in the room with Jesus. And what would we do if we really believed that it was just ourselves alone with God? Surely we'd pay less attention to the unwritten rules of decorum, behavior, and expectations created by tradition in society. Surely we'd engage in extravagance on a scale unparalleled in our life, I mean, decorum and worship is great because we want order and regularity and boundaries. We want to know how to behave and what to expect. But when Mary poured out her fragrance, there was no church, no institution, no sanctuary, no altar, no clergy, no diaconate choir or committees. There was just Mary and Jesus. And with God, all the boundaries are broken down. Being boundaried in our worship It makes me think of a man that we used to know. His name was Charles. And Charles did not observe normal boundaries. We attended a church together in Tennessee, Baptist Church. And there would be that traditional hymn of dedication at the end of the service, just like we have here. Pastor standing in the aisle. And nearly every Sunday that we were there, Charles would come up to the front during the Hymn of Dedication. I mean, I must have seen Charles do that a hundred times. And I always wanted to know what he said. Maybe he just wanted to pray. I, I could see the pastor's lips moving, his eyes closed. I inferred prayer was happening. Well, the congregants would exchange looks. There goes Charles. If somebody wanted to join that Sunday, we'd always worry that Charles would run them off because it might get too crowded up there. Charles didn't care, see. He didn't pay any of the rest of us any attention. I don't think he cared too much for our little rules of decorum. As far as I could tell, it was just Charles and Jesus in that place. He died a few years back, and it calls me to remember the way I looked at Charles' When he would come forward and I suddenly saw everything in a new light, maybe the way Mary saw everything in a new light when her brother was raised from the dead. I had been the Judas in that story. I was looking in on something I didn't think I could have. I actually wanted the boundaries to fall away, but I didn't know how. I think I was a little jealous of of the freedom. I mean, imagine how free it would be to just worship God and not worry about the rules. And maybe that's like Mary. When she poured out that priceless fragrance, it filled the whole house. It lingered there, I imagine. Long after Jesus died, his body laid in the tomb. The linen cloth wrapped around him, the fragrance was still there. Long after the potluck had been eaten, leftovers wrapped up, sent back with the funeral visitors, it still lingered. Long enough for Easter to arrive and Christ in all his glory to rise. And the fragrance of the love that you have that has been expressed in this extravagant place, it will linger if you let it. Long after couples say, I do. Long after the widow weeps for her husband whose funeral is held here. Long after desperate secretive prayers that only you say and only God hears, which are uttered in the depths of your heart. That is what extravagant love smells like. It lingers, it is redolent of hope And newness, it is Christ's body broken. It is his blood poured out. And Jesus will not leave us alone. Jesus is here, right now. Amen. we're going to sing a hymn. We'll sing 555. It is the dedication hymn. And at this time in our service, if you would like to make a profession of faith or to join our church, you can just walk right up the aisle like Charles did every morning. I'll be here to greet with you and pray with you if you like. We'll sing 555. We'll stand as we sing. Each time we gather, we bring several concerns and announcements to you and prayer concerns as well. And I want to tell you about a few of those uh, this morning. First, uh, some announcements. Uh, Triple E will be this Tuesday, and the topic will be the secret art of Dr. Seuss. We hope you come. If you haven't made a reservation, please do so Tuesday. Also, we're continuing our, uh, our food drive for Buckhead Christian Ministry. You can see all the food out there. Please continue to bring in food. We'll be doing that through Lent. Is that right, Andrea? Okay. So keep bringing in food. And guess what? If Lent passes, you can still bring food, and we'll take it. The Lenten service will be uh, Thursday at 645. We continue our theme of characters around the cross. And the character this week is Joseph of Arimathea. So we hope you can join us Thursday at 645. And then next Sunday is Palm Sunday. Our tradition is the children come in waving palm branches, and we look forward to that festivity. And after the church service, there will be a called churching conference um, to consider whether the church will ordain Caitlin Cook Fur. And I had the privilege of sitting in on uh, that final meeting with Caitlin. I'm really looking forward to next Sunday and the future for you, Caitlin. So be sure to stay for that. I want to bring a few prayer concerns to you. I was talking to Angie Moore yesterday about Barney. He continues to struggle, although um, she has some good conversation with him this week about the Bible study. He really misses that coming on Wednesday, talking about the Braves, now they're back in season. And I'm going to try to schedule a visit with Angie and Barney this week, so will be looking for uh, an update for that. Some of you may have seen uh, an email correspondence last night, but for those of you who haven't, uh, some tragic news for a family that uh, grew up in this congregation. Carol and Jim Nay, whose daughter, Lynn, married to Ray Smith. Lynn has a daughter named Caroline. Caroline Smith, 20 years old, a Furman student, fell, struck her head, died on Friday. A- an awful tragedy. We pray for, for Caroline for the Ney family, and for all of those who are are so close to that family and have walked with them over the years, this is very devastating, I know. So no, we hold you close in prayer, and may Christ watch over Caroline at this hour. The musical offering is a familiar hymn. When I survey the wondrous cross, the theme of extravagant love is here. In those last two verses were the whole realm of nature, mind, that we're an offering far too small. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Let's continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings. this time we'll celebrate Holy Communion and I'll ask our acolytes to come up here and help me if y'all will come forward. We'll take communion by standing in tinction, which means there'll be two servers on each side and you'll take the bread and simply dip it into the cup. All are welcome at God's table. The choir will be served first and then the ushers will direct you to come forward at that time. You'll see printed in the order of worship is a service of Holy Communion, and you can follow along with me as we begin by reading the Sersum Cordum. The peace of Christ be with you. you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with all the company of heaven who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing...
5: Holy, 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 Lord, God of power.
2: Be seated. Okay, that's for you, that's for your On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, and having given thanks, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving. Recalling Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, we celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. of God. All of God's people are welcome at this table. Take these gifts in remembrance that Christ died and was raised. And therefore let us come to the table in thanksgiving and in hope.
1: Please in Thank you.
2: Let us stand for prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks for having been refreshed at your table as we have celebrated the presence of Christ. Deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus the Christ Amen. now as you go from this place, may your hearts be open to extravagant love. May your minds be open to be transformed by Christ Jesus. And may your very lives be a fragrance that invite all you meet into the very presence of God. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen.
1: What are you? Oh.
0: <laughs> back.